okay, I want to be here for you. I want to be able to hold this and I'm not able to. This is too much for me right now, but you're not too much. I want all of you. I want all of your expression. We need to get some help. Just a few quick notes before this episode. So first of all, we are getting together live this month. Starting this month, Labor Day weekend, we are doing a men's retreat in Northern California. That is from August 31st through September 4th. We only have four spots left and we would love for you to join us. If you are interested in that, you can go to evolutionary.men and Jason and I would love to see you there. I will be there. Second off, I wanted to uh, shout out a celebration. I wanted to read something that I thought was a beautiful example of healthy boundary setting. This came from one of our clients who, after um, being in the program, had an experience with a friend. Um, this particular client of ours doesn't drink alcohol anymore, and that's an important part of his life. And his friend was kind of cajoling him, right, trying to get him to drink alcohol at an event and sort of teasing him about it and, and everything. And so after the fact, this client sent the friend the following long text message, which I personally love. And here's how it goes. Hey man, it was great getting back on the court last night. Thanks for letting me fill in. Also interesting conversations are had with you as always. However, there are a couple things I want to say here as hopefully I will be able to articulate better by writing this down. So I don't miss anything that I want to get across. I'm sure we'll discuss this further at some point. Firstly, I'm very thankful that you and I have had so many good times over the years. I think at the time I was doing whatever I thought I needed to to get by. You've been there like a brother through my shit and have always been a sounding board for me where I could freely speak my mind. I appreciate that. I won't go into much detail here, but a year ago I was in a very dark place emotionally. I was in a bad place. I hated my fucking life, and I felt like my children were the only thing holding me back from putting a bullet in my head. I had an emotional breakdown, my relationship with my wife was not good, and I came to realize that I had a lot of buried shit from my past that was negatively affecting my relationships, and they needed to be dealt with. So in the past year, I have been doing a tremendous amount of personal growth work, and I still have a long way to go. But the bottom line is, I'm growing. It is my responsibility to create a good life for myself and my family and to set the trajectory for my children moving forward so they don't have to deal with the same bullshit trauma on repeat. Because whatever I don't deal with gets passed on to them, and I won't do that. Part of my healing journey for at least the time being is, I don't drink. There's nothing alcohol can offer me right now. I'm not in the least bit interested in it. I misused alcohol for 25 years, running from my problems, using it to not feel pain, anxiety, sadness, anger, whatever emotion you want to throw out there. It was my escape. I'm not running anymore. One by one, I am facing every problem in my life. I found there's a lot of areas I can improve upon. I'm determined to be a winner. I will win at life. My past will not define me. I will become the best version of myself in every way. I want to find my edge. I want to find my potential because I've never looked for it. I've always taken the easy, comfortable path. Fuck that shit. That has gotten me nowhere. I realize you like to debate and analyze and dig deep on subjects, and that's great. I do that as well. However, I will not be constantly put into the position to defend my life choices, choices that are bringing me more meaning, depth, and happiness. I want people around me that wish to be part of my growth journey, not ones who want to try to persuade me to go back to the way things were. So as I said last night, I would appreciate it if you would not be looking for ways to get me to drink. And I realize on some level you're just playing and fucking around, but I, I still feel this needs to be said. And I'll say it to you and anyone else who needs to hear it. I just won't have that com I just won't have much time for that conversation. It's not up for debate. There's nothing to be discussed. I don't care how anyone else feels about it, and I'm not interested in your opinion. Don't take this as an ultimatum or anything, because it's not. I'm just stating where my head is at so you know. I love you, Dan. Glad you're in my life and looking forward to having you be a part of our wedding. I don't drink now and that makes me awesome. So deal with it. And I've noticed it also makes me a better golfer. So you better look the fuck out. Peace. I 
Love that as an example of healthy boundary setting. It's edgy, it's vulnerable, it's open-hearted, it's clear, it's direct. And that's one of the, the that's one of the growth edges for a lot of our clients is how to send messages, how to communicate, how to be both open-hearted and clear and direct at the same time. So I wanted to share that as a celebration. I hope you got something out of it too. And now on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am delighted to have Violet back with us. Thank you for being here. Yes, thanks for having me. So today we're talking about a woman's biggest fear. And this has been on my heart for a long time. This is something that I've wanted to yeah, reveal to men to kind of uh, take a peek behind the curtain and really get a sense of a woman's world. Um, I think a lot of the themes that we're going to be talking about today are relevant for all human beings. Um, but I do think that there is something specific about women and women's fears and women's insecurities and particularly around our main topic today, which is the fear of being too much in different ways. Um, that I guess I just want to <clears throat> ground in the reality of the ways that women have been shamed and have been told that they're too much and have been institutionalized, for example, in the West in the recent past and arguably still happens all over the world. Um, that So the, the idea of a woman being too much is not just... Um, it has real ramifications in the physical world and it comes with real risks. So that, that fear is, I think, specific to that sort of identity or label of being a woman and being a woman in, in the world. So I just want to make sure the conversation is inclusive of everyone. And there is also something we're talking about today of a woman's fear of being too much. Um, so yeah, so we're going to share some, some personal stories and we have some sort of categories of ways that a woman is afraid of being too much. This is a very common fear. Um, and it is, um, an addressable one and it might not be addressable in the way that you think. So get ready for a magical mystery ride around this topic. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love to hear, you know, I think Violet, you're in a unique position as well, because you are a woman yourself and you work with women. And so you've worked with hundreds of women, potentially thousands, given everything that you've done. And so you have a sort of broader perspective on the different ways and themes and flavors of this, whereas I work mostly with men. So I'm, I'm have coming with that, that perspective. And of course, I'm a woman myself and I have lots of friends who are women, but I would love to hear just your own sort of experience of this, as well as if you can speak to, you know, the experiences of your clients and other women. Um, yeah, just the broader themes around being too much and yeah. Um, so what, what's your sort of general thought before we dive into our three topics? Yeah, that's a great question. In my experience with my clients, when something isn't working in their love life or they're going through a breakup, almost always they're blaming themselves. And the texture of that blame is almost always that I'm too much. I'm too needy. I'm too bossy. I'm too driven. I'm too whatever. Um, you know, appearance, status, it could, it could be anything. And that internalized too much causes women to make themselves smaller in order to not be rejected next time or in order to not be called a bitch or crazy or slutty or whatever those words are. But ironically, the smaller we make ourselves, the smaller of smaller, not in terms of like physical size, but smaller energetically, then we attract someone who's also smaller, who expects us, expects us to play small and expects us to then fit into the societal mode because they feel safer. And then both partners are playing at a level that just doesn't feel authentic or tapping into their full potential. And then the cycle repeats itself, right? Because the smaller you make yourself, the less authentic you are, the more you will self-sabotage or be rejected, not for who you are, but because you're not performing in quotations, like in a way that um, is congruent and that shows up in your energy. So 
it's a huge problem. I think 99% of my clients will say that they feel too much. And um, yeah, it has real ramifications for who we attract and how those relationships play out. I just want to double click on, on that for everyone listening. 99% of the women with whom Violet works <laughs> have this fear of being too much. 99%. And I would say a vast majority of my friends and myself, this is my biggest fear in relationship. It is my biggest fear in relationship. And dating and relationship is the fear of being too much. And we're going to go through three sort of big categories around what this actually means. Um, but I, I do want to just yeah highlight that because I think it's, it's truly a vast fear that is very, very common. And uh, I want to talk in this conversation about dating and being in a relationship, right? So dating dynamics as well as relationship dynamics. And one that just occurred to me is the subtle modern version of um, a man, <laughs> I guess, shaming women in general. This is my interpretation. And I also have a caveat here, but when I see a man on a dating app that says no drama, please, or like, don't want to deal with drama, no drama. That to me feels like a version of, I think women are too emotional. I don't want to deal with their emotions. And so don't, don't, don't come to me with your shit. Don't come to me with your emotions. Don't come to me with your shit. And there's a way that because I'm already afraid that I'm too much emotionally, I think that reinforces that fear. And it also has me feel deeply unsafe about that man. I'm definitely swiping left and it has me feel deeply unsafe and just generally more unsafe with men right? Just seeing that has my stomach shrivel. Like I just feel, I just feel gross and like, and so, and I think that that's, there is a sort of, uh, fear (laughs) in dating of like, oh shit, I've got to be, I've got to be nice. I've got to be the nice girl. I've got to like show up in a certain way. Meaning I can't get angry. I can't get, um, hurt. You know, I can't show my hurt. And so I'm going to hide a lot of my truth because I'm afraid that if I show it to the man, he's going to leave. He's going to leave. He's just going to be like, oh, this is way too much work. Like, I don't want to deal with this. this is way too much work. And I think that that subtle message is, is reflected in our culture and has been for a really long time of just not wanting to deal with it. I just, I don't want to deal with it. It's too much work. It's too, it's too hard. It's too messy. It's too, it's too fill in the blank. And so that message that we get is don't show your emotions. Don't show your, whatever the thing is that you're afraid of being too much. And then you're not getting an authentic woman. You're not getting an authentic version of her. And the way that that can manifest is it can feel kind of like maybe she's distant or a little bit like brittle, like hard, or just like, you can just sort of feel there's something going on, but you don't know what it's confusing. So I think on the other side, you know, part of the intention of this episode is to bring this fear to light and also to empower you as a man to know what it is and how to help, right? How to help a woman open up and how to help her not feel like she's too much. That is that is involved and it involves more than just saying that. So we're going to talk about it, but, um, yeah. Any comments on that section? Yeah. Yes. I definitely want to chime in because what I found in myself and in a lot of my clients is we see something like that on the apps or we hear something like that in media or from a particular person in our life. And we immediately say to ourselves, I'm not going to be that girl. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be contained. I'm going to get the prize in quotations of a committed relationship or a marriage or whatever. And then I'm going to let all my shadow come out, which is a recipe for disaster because who can hold on that long and, and be authentic. And also, do you really want to see your partner's messiest parts after you're already entrenched? Or would you rather see them earlier in a, um, you know, like paced out way so that you can get to know each other and, and rupture and repair and rupture and repair. And what I find is it actually leads to women becoming more masculine. So in an effort to not be that girl, to not be the drama girl, to not be the emotional girl, to just play it cool, we cut out all of the parts of us that make us authentically, healthily feminine. 
And then men are wondering why they don't meet men, meet women who are like embodied and juicy and sensual and alive and open-hearted. Well, because you've told us that you don't want a girl like that. So we've been playing the game. We've been trying to do a good job and we've lost ourselves in the process. And that is, I think, a huge disservice of the culture and, and frankly, the patriarchy. And I think that that word can be really polarizing. But when I'm using the word patriarchy, I just mean the system that we're all living in. And the system is bigger than all of us. It's the cultural soup that we're in. And I think in that cultural soup, there is a pressure on women to be a certain way. And this is backed up by social science all the time. So for example, that fear of being too bossy, social science repeatedly proves that if you if you show business students, male and female business students, the same business school students rather, the same description of a CEO giving a speech or making a decision or whatever it is, they will consistently rate the female as being bossy or controlling, whereas they'll rate the man as being assertive or whatever the the positive version of that is. That is male and female business school students. So we are all in this soup. We are all doing this thing. And so bringing it to awareness and understanding that we're part of something greater is, is really important because that's part of how we counteract that and how we change the culture. So I really appreciated that point about I'm not going to be that girl, right? I'm going to, I'm going to wait. (laughs) Basically, I'm going to wait until I have commitment or until I'm, you know, I liked that term that you said of the prize, because I do think that's, that's very perceptive. And I'm so glad to have you here as someone who does work with a lot of women, because I hadn't thought of it that way, but it does feel true. Like, okay, I'm going to get the thing I'm supposed to get, which is marriage or whatever the, you know, marriage house, kids, you know, that kind of nuclear family train. And then I will feel relaxed enough to show all of my parts and to be true to who I am more than I was in the past. And I also want to make it clear on this episode that um, when we're talking about a woman being fully expressed on this episode, when we're talking about, you know, yeah, full expression or bringing all of her things like that, we are not talking about borderline personality disorder behavior. We are not talking about emotional or physical abuse. We are not talking about that. So if you are a man who has been in relationship with a woman with narcissism or borderline, I'm going to drop that episode in the show notes. If it has felt genuinely scary emotionally or physically to be with that woman, that is not what we're talking about. There, there is a version of too much. There actually is a too much, um, physical violence and emotional abuse are too much. And it is important to know where that line is. So if you think that might be, you listen to that episode, that's very important. That is not what we're talking about here. Okay. So basically we came up with three major categories of the fear of being too much. And we're going to share some personal stories and just, um, yeah, some, you know, client stories about these. The first one is I'm afraid of being too emotional. I'm afraid of, of bringing all of my emotions to my man because yeah, I feel like that's going to be interpreted as drama or whatever it is. Um, I have a, a, um, story about this. So I was early in dating a man and we, I don't remember what happened. We went to dinner and I got triggered in some way and it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like hugely hurt or anything, but I have some parts, right? Like I have a rage part and I have a little girl part. Like I have all these parts and we got to my door. He was dropping me off. And I, I turned to him and I said, like, I'm, I'm feeling afraid. Like, I'm afraid that, you know, you're going to see all my parts and some of them aren't that pretty. And he said, he kind of like paused and he said, well, I guess we'll just have to see how it goes. And I felt really unsafe. I felt really unsafe. I felt like, oh, like I am possibly going to be too much for this man. Like basically what he's saying is, well, we'll see how you are. And if it's too much, I'll leave you. I don't think that's really what he was saying, but it didn't feel welcoming. It didn't feel um, open. It didn't, it didn't, I was not reassured. And I slept very poorly that night. This was, this was a man that I knew I could sort of feel and sense like we have real potential. Like this is actually a relationship. This isn't going to be a fling. Like we have 
a lot in common. We are both pretty developed. Like this is, this is real. But in that moment, I felt deeply unsafe. So I think that that fear of being too much for many, many women does have to do with this fear of being too emotional. And in my experience, I'm not necessarily afraid of showing my sadness. So crying is acceptable, quote unquote, acceptable. What I'm the most afraid of is showing my teeth, showing my anger, showing my rage, or just displeasure, or just like annoyance. You know, that is very scary. And that was part of what I think I was trying to say is I'm afraid that if I show you my anger, you'll leave me. I'm afraid that if I show you my anger at some point, you'll leave me. And I did not end that conversation reassured. What I wanted to hear was, I'm very interested in you. I'm interested in all of your parts. (laughs) I want to know all of you and we will figure it out together. So we're going to go through some scenarios like this. And in each case, I kind of want to give you men listening the kind of like, here's what we're wanting, which is essentially, I welcome all of you. I'm here for all of it. I want all of it. And the truth is that in order for you as a man to say that and back it up, you actually have to be willing to feel your feelings and you have to be willing to go to those depths. And in many cases, you have to have gone to those depths. So there's a, there's a, there's a deep truth here around capacity to hold a lot of emotion which if you have not held your own self there and you've not gotten yourself into spaces where people have held you as you've gone to the depths, then as much as you have a good intention around it, you can't do it. So I'm bringing that up because I'm hesitant to say, I welcome all of you. Like you can say it, but if you, if you can't actually hold it, then I think it can actually be harmful or damaging to say, I can, I can handle it. I'm here. And then not actually be able to hold it. So I think there's something, there's something really important there that I think you can probably elaborate on. And then I want to read a quote from, from the research that we did for this episode. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think anger is the most challenging emotion for most women to share. And I actually work with my clients really early on in the dating process to start expressing their discontent, their annoyance, their frustration. Like I I lay out a scale of anger from displeasure to rage. And the sooner in the process of dating, you share some of those early feelings, you're going to get feedback and see, does this person get defensive? Do they blame you? Are they okay with it? Are they curious about what happened and how you might feel better? Um, What I have found is that When I feel scared to share my anger, the person I'm scared to share it with is also scared of their anger or has had angry parents in their life or has some sort of charge around anger. And I remember my somatic therapist, this was years ago, would say, be careful about dating someone who has a gap in their feelings. And what she meant is if someone can't feel a certain emotion, that's a red flag. So when Mel talks about like the emotional range and feeling your feelings and all of you, there's really something to that because then not only can you hold space for another person, but you can bring a different level of wholeness and authenticity to yourself. And that allows issues to not become as big, to not get as escalated. Like Jason and I have been on our own journey, which we're in a much better place now. But when we first moved in, there was a lot of anger that came up for both of us. And I think a lot of it was ancestral. It was our our lineage's relationship to anger. So without going down a rabbit hole, I think men, you can reassure someone, you can do your work and you can get comfortable with healthy expressions of your own anger. And women, you can start eroticizing your anger. And I know that sounds strange, but one of the best ways to bring your emotions to the masculine is in an embodied eroticized way, because when it's just a projection, which could be triggered from the past and triggered from other experiences with the masculine or with your parents, it can get very much like you and I'm pissed at you. And it's just this like attack that's really coming from the head. 
But when it's connected to your womb space and you're like, uh, I'm so mad at you. And you're like, can I push you? Can I push you right now? And it's like, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) You know, it's a different expression. Yeah. Thank you for making that concrete. Cause I, I was just about to share a similar experience of my tendency. And I think a lot of women's tendency is to wrap my anger up in a little box with a bow and present it neatly and tidily. And I think that that has not been, I have not had success with that. And I think that you could probably speak to this too, but I think a lot of us, because we're so afraid of being emotional, being too much, being too emotional with a man, we're trying to make it sound like our culture says, tells us where it's supposed to sound like it's supposed to be like, I'm upset because this happened and this didn't seem fair. And you know, all of that. And it's not that there's something wrong with that expression, but it, it isn't as connected to my heart. It isn't as connected to my pussy. It isn't as connected to my body. It's sort of disembodied. And that's very different than sharing it with like my voice, sharing it with my actual, like, I felt so dropped. Where were you? Where were you? I needed you and you weren't there or whatever it was. That's so different from, you know, this is the third time you've been late. And I just have to tell you, it doesn't, it just, it's not working. This isn't working. It doesn't feel like it's working. Like you're not learning. It's not going like, why do you keep doing this? So you can kind of hear the difference between those. And the truth is that none of us is trained. We don't learn how to do this, but there's, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's work on both sides and the work, the what's really fucking helpful for me from a man is to say, I do want to know. I do want to know when you're upset. I do want to know when you're angry. I do want to know when you're hurt. It's important to me. I always want to know. Even if it's messy, even if it's late at night, I want to know. And for those of you who've taken my streaming course on sex, it's similar to sex. I always want to know. I always want to know if something's not working for you, if there's any pain or if it's just not comfortable. I always want to know if something is working. If you like something, I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. And I want to know. There's something deeply reassuring for me about that. And I can say, honestly, I've never had a partner provide that. I've never had that level of I'm here and I want to know. And I think that some of that is just not knowing. Like men don't know that that's something that many, many women want. And it's very reassuring. And I also think that, yeah, if if you are a man who was raised by a volatile parent or parents and you haven't done the trauma work yet, then you don't really necessarily want to know. It does feel scary. It does feel overwhelming. You do go into freeze. There is like a huge, you know... It takes work to open up your nervous system and to be clear and clean in yourself so that you can hold intensity, so that you can hold tension, so that you can be present and not collapse or defend, but actually hold and receive, receive and hold and ground, right? Receive and hold and ground, which is really what we're wanting from the masculine. And when I say the word masculine, either in women or men, whoever whoever it is that we're expressing to or with, we want the holding and the grounding. We want the holding and the grounding. We want that person to be breathing <laughs> and listening and grounding, not kind of putting up a shield or throwing it back in our face or not, you know, not receiving. Just that's that's not what we're going for. So again, I think the reassuring phrases are, I want to know. I'm I'm glad you're telling me. I didn't know you know, I'm here, I'm listening and just sort of setting that up. And one thing that Jason says that I love, and I've probably shared it on a previous episode is I love it when he says things like your anger is beautiful. This is so sexy. I want more of you. I never want less of you. And a phrase that really touches my heart is when he says, yeah, your emotions give me a heart on. It's like a heart on, but a heart on. It just softens and melts me. It makes me feel um, loved and contained to your point. And the irony is the more that Jason holds beautiful space for me, the less I actually have to emote. Like there's not as much friction and tension and resistance and stuff because I feel seen and heard. 
I think that's a really advanced and sophisticated point, which is that couples are a microcosm of the macrocosm and they are kind of like an infinity sign. So when we, when we couple up, when we're in a deep relationship an attachment relationship, this is true in a dating relationship as well, but particularly in committed relationships, we are deeply involved. We are, we are reacting and responding to each other all the time. And so as Jason is growing in his capacity to hold. And as his his comfort is increasing, and basically as he's able to hold more of himself, right, of his own parts and his own, like it's not just about holding the partner. It's about his own experience with himself as that grows and the trust grows and he's able to hold more, then something happens to your nervous system. So our nervous systems are deeply connected in relationship. And as we grow, we tend to create more space for our partner and vice versa, which is why it's so important to be with a partner who's growing. And if you are growing and your partner is not growing, man, that's not a relationship that can be sustained. It's just not. I've never seen it happen. (laughs) It's like either both people are growing or you're going to break up. (laughs) So um, not to put too fine a point on it, but it does feel like there's something about that of, I think often big emotion, big, big um, expression on the part of a woman in a relationship isn't always about that woman. It's also about, she can kind of feel that he's not willing to go to certain places and it's evoking something in her. It's like, she's wanting to call something forth in him. She's wanting to, to poke him in a certain way. And this is not conscious, but I've seen it repeatedly in relationship of like, Oh, I want, I'm getting, I'm getting enraged. I'm expressing rage or, or repressing rage, but rage is present because it's in you. Like you, you, I can feel it and you're not expressing it. So I'll express it. And then it becomes, yeah, feels like drama, feels like big drama, but it's because one person is repressing and the other is kind of expressing for both people versus when it does become more balanced and both people can hold particularly when the masculine can hold big emotion can hold big feelings, then the system tends to calm down. Absolutely. Yeah. One of Jason and my mentors used to say, it's exhausting to be the only one in the relationship that's willing to feel and express. And as Jason and I have both done more work to your point on the infinity sign, he feels more, he holds space more. I feel it's not that I feel less, but it's more grounded and I just want to say it works both ways. You know, as men do their work, women can show up in a different way, but as female partners do their work, the men show up differently too. Like one quick example, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but Jason lost his wedding ring a few months ago and old Violet would have freaked out and been like, oh my God, this is a bad omen. Like you did this on purpose and just had a panic attack about what this might've meant and what it was about. But when it happened a few months ago, I was like, oh, wow, I'm really bummed. I'm I'm really sad about that. But, oh, well, we're just going to upgrade. This is an opportunity for an upgrade. Let's pick out an even better ring. Like, let's pick out something that we really love that represents our relationship right now that we both, you know, enjoy. And after, you know, we spent like an hour maybe talking about it. It wasn't a really long time. And after that hour, Jason's like, this is so healing for me. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, you were just so calm about it. Like it wasn't a big deal. Like this gives me so much trust in you and in our relationship. And then I noticed he started showing up more spacious too. So I'm not in this episode trying to say that you should contain your actual feelings. I I want actually, actually more women to express their actual feelings, but in combination with doing the work to feel embodied and regulate your nervous system, you can show up differently And then that can create more trust and that itself can create more spaciousness in the relationship. So it becomes this virtuous cycle. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. And I also want to point out that this journey of learning to feel your feelings deeply and be able to hold space for other people's feelings, this is not a journey you go on alone. This involves other people, whether that's therapists, coaches, personal growth, you know, workshops, um, connection communities. Um, it's just, I'm trying to think of friendships. Like you learn how to express and be received with people. 
This is a particular skill around feeling feelings and expressing feelings and being received and met. It happens with other people. It's not just something you read in a book. It requires interaction and 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 capacity building with people. So I, I guess I just wanted to name that because I think <clears throat> emotional development requires other human beings. <laughs> That's why it's important to do to do the work because you don't want to leave it all for your romantic relationship. Like it, it, it's too much pressure on that one relationship. You really want to be doing prep work and just, you know, like one of our men has had a lot of success lately revealing his, his heart, essentially having much deeper conversations and revealing a lot more than he has in the past to cousins, um, friends, family members. And he's gotten to feel what it is to be met in his true self. And he's like, wow, this is so much better (laughs) than the sort of beige life that I was living. And so now he has that practice and that experience with people that he trusts and knows already. So he's building that capacity to reveal and be authentic truly with, with human beings. So you can bet your ass that in the next romantic relationship he's in, he is going to lead in a deeper, more authentic and vulnerable way because he has practice. He knows what it feels like to reveal himself and to be met in that because so many of us came from homes or bullying where revealing ourselves was dangerous or we weren't met. We would reveal ourselves and nothing would happen. We just felt dropped or not met. So we have to heal from that. We have to actually heal from that. And that requires trying again with safe people, revealing ourselves, being met, that that kind of thing. I have a, a cool success story of, um, you know, you were talking about dating and revealing particularly hurt or anger early on and seeing how the man responds. I was dating a guy not for very long. And I think we'd gone on, I think we'd gone on one date and we're planning the second one. We're like, Oh, like let's, let's do something this weekend or like, let's go for a hike this weekend. Right. This was like a Monday or Tuesday. And so by Thursday or Friday, I think it was Friday by Friday. I was annoyed. I was like, I haven't heard from you. Uh, we don't have a plan. I don't know what to tell my friends about. Should we go to the beach tomorrow? Like I'm sort of waiting to hear what we're doing. And I think that there, this can be a common point of friction in couples and friends, people where one person is more of a planner and the other one is more spontaneous. I see this a lot. I'm sure you've seen this in your work as well, Violet. And so it's not a malicious, it's not like he was withholding date information from me or trying to make me uncomfortable. I knew he wasn't, I knew he was a good, he was a good man. Like he's, I I could feel his sweetness and everything. So I, I think I left him a voice note. I either called him or left him a voice note and said, Hey, listen, I don't normally do this, but I'm noticing that I'm feeling really annoyed. And if I don't tell you that I'm just going to act weird around you. So I'm letting you know, I'm feeling annoyed. I really wanted you to be the one to sort of like drive our plans this weekend. Like I didn't know what was going on. I think I did leave him a voice note. I think it was a voice note. Um, And I'm not really sure what to do about it, but I wanted to let you know because I'm feeling annoyed and I don't want to be weird. I don't want to be passive aggressive with you and have you not know what's going on. And he responded so well. He said, um, I don't actually remember the words he said, because again, 92% 92% of uh, communication is, is nonverbal, meaning it's not about the words, it's about the tone, it's about, it's about how you're being when you say things, not what you're saying. And he said basically, oh, wow, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I can see how you would feel that way. And I do really want to see you. And how about tomorrow at one? And I felt really met. I felt met and I felt like um, he didn't get defensive. He didn't attack me and he, uh, he validated my feelings. And I know that's a phrase that we use, but I just want to say to all you men, a really easy phrase that you can always use is that makes sense. It makes sense that you feel that way. You can't go wrong with that one. Like that's like gold. Like you just, you can never, that's never going to go poorly for you. Like it makes sense that you feel that way. And it makes sense that you feel that way doesn't mean that something different has to happen or that you were wrong for not making plans, right? Like it doesn't mean any of that. It just means 
I see you. I see your feelings. There, there is there is internal logic to that. <laughs> so I really loved that. And, and we made it through. And I thought it was really brave of me to actually share my upset because in the vast majority of circumstances, what would a woman do? She would hide it. She would hide it. She would pretend she wasn't upset. She would wait. And then she might act a little weird or she might trust him less or she might resent him more. And I'm sure a lot of you men have had this experience of being like, I feel like something might be wrong, but I don't really know what it is. And, you know, or just that distance. And I I, I think I also just kind of want to connect this a little bit to, I think for me and for many women, I am less sexually available to a man that I'm not, that I don't trust. I, I am less sexually available if I had not spoken up with him I might've still gone on the hike, but I would have been more guarded with myself and, and particularly with my pussy. And I think that this does show up in the closed offness of a lot of women around their sexuality and their, um, and their actual pussy, their actual lady parts. Um, because there's not that sense of, I can be my full self with you and feel met. There's a fear that if I'm my full self with you, you'll push me away. You'll turn away. You'll leave. And I wanted to read um, uh, a note from one of our women around this fear, particularly in the dating context. She says, um, what I want to share about being too much or too big in dating is after going on many speed dates with 20 men in a short period of time, I got to see how or when my big energy felt most held and received. There were men who felt cut off from their own heart energy. They felt unable to share vulnerably. They were kind of performative. And with them, I felt way too big. I could feel their discomfort coming through. On the other hand, with the men who felt more heart and body connected, I felt much more grounded and free to let my energy flow. With one man in particular, the prompt was for him to share with me the things he wanted to let go of. His voice was clear. He didn't break eye contact. His body was steady. And he was sharing vulnerabilities and insecurities. I felt like his presence and clarity made room for me to be open, clear, and take up space with him. It was something specific that he said, or sorry, it wasn't something specific that he said. It was his energy of self-acceptance that felt so good to me and my nervous system. It was like permission. Like there is no such thing as too much. There's just who we are. So that's, I mean, that's obviously the aspirational goal, right? Is to be that guy. (laughs) And I guess what I want to say is all of the personal growth work, all of the things that we talk about, men's work, you know, community building, uh, therapy, coaching, personal growth workshops, all this stuff, it is to become that so that that is just who you are. And then some of these phrases and things that we're, we're giving you are extras that you add on to lead with and to have, but the foundation really is your own nervous system, your own willingness to go there, your own capacity to be with your own grief and your own rage and your own feelings so that you can hold space for hers. Any comments on that before we move move on? Okay. Okay. So that's uh, fear number one, which is uh, fear of being too much. And I think quickly before we do move on, this definitely shows up in committed romantic relationships as well, not just dating relationships. And I guess what I would want to say there is, um, I have always desired a man to be proactive about this with me, meaning I want you, I want all of you. I want to know all of you. And I've had, you know, this is, I'm pretending to be a man. I've been in relationships in the past where women held back you know, they didn't tell me when they were hurt, even if it was something small. And I just want you to know, I actually do want to know. <laughs> like, I want to know those things, even if they seem silly or small. And I'm not going to humiliate you. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to tell you that that you're too much or that it's, you know, you're making too big a deal out of something, or I'm not going to, you know, minimize your experience. I have always wanted that invitation. I have always wanted that awareness and that, you know, just yeah, invitation that would feel so good to me. So if, and, and I think there's, it's never too late, right. In a relationship to provide that. So I guess I just wanted to say, 
this isn't just about dating. It's also in, in romantic relationships. And I think I find it soothing, right? Violet, when you're describing Jason being like, I love your anger. I, I, I want to know, you know, this is, you know, this is, that's attractive to me. And of course, that's another thing you can't fake. Like you can't fake it. If you're like, actually, I'm totally blown out and overwhelmed right now. Like, that's not the time to say, I love your anger. It's so hot. Like you're like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> this is part of why I keep talking about involving other people, because there are times when it's like, okay, I want to be here for you. I want to be able to hold this. And I'm not able to. This is too much for me right now, but you're not too much. I want all of you. I want all of your expression. We need to get some help. We need to get a third third party in here. We need to get someone else to help us with this because I do want to hear everything. And right now my nervous system is blown out. That's another option. Just wanted to mention that. One time Jason said, I thought I could lead us through this pattern, but it turns out I can't. And so the way I want to lead us is by getting help. And I thought that was so trustable. I think that's deeply masculine. And I think that's another thing that I guess I would point out just in in our culture of you as a man feeling like you have to know everything already is a fallacy. It's not true. And it's dangerous because it means that a lot of men tend to avoid issues and avoid things that they don't know how to handle. And then they think it's blown over. Like, I can't tell you how many men I've worked with where they're like, I thought everything was fine. I thought we, I thought it was just a rough patch. I've heard men say, I thought it was just a rough patch. And I can just feel the sense of that. They're, they're turned, you know, mostly they're getting divorced. So their ex-wife, right just the number of times that she might've raised something or had big feelings and he didn't know what to do about it. And so he either avoided it or he, you know, left or he tried something and it didn't really work. And then he kind of moved on, right. Of just, you know, well, I guess hopefully it'll just sort of resolve itself. And then after years of that, eventually a lot of times the woman is like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving. And that's really sad because there can be lot, there's lots of help available. And I think that's one of the the deepest um, acts of service that you can perform in, in, in your relationship is getting the right help at the right time. And when a woman starts showing and revealing less, it doesn't mean because the relationship is all of a sudden magically better and the storm has blown over. It means she's given up a little bit. It means that she doesn't feel safe revealing or that she feels hopeless or forlorn about it. So in a weird way, the more your woman or a woman is sharing with you is a good sign. It means she feels safe enough to express and to share. Yeah, I would just double click on that because I think I've definitely had multiple experiences with men where I've tried to share some of my upset. And when I have felt the defensiveness, the, the anger, the lashing out coming back at me, I'm like, okay, well, I guess that doesn't, that doesn't work. And so I do reveal less, but it doesn't mean I'm feeling less. I'm revealing less, but I'm not feeling less, (laughs) just not telling him. And that does have me feel deeply unsafe. And I do leave those relationships. So I think there is something about deep, when you can hold my deep, big, raw feelings, that's when I feel the safest with you. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh fear of being too much emotionally, fear of being too, too much. Um, another fear that women have is I'm afraid of being too sexual. I'm afraid of being too sexual. Um, and that is, um, I want to just start out with a quote from my sex research, which is, This woman said, I have always had an easier time talking about and doing new things with a fling rather than my partner because I don't care what my fling thinks, but I don't want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. I don't want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. So that's the fear of being too sexual, I think, is, um, again, related to the unconscious programming that we get in our culture. And I know for me, I have I am in this industry, right? I am supposed to be this sexually empowered woman and have it all together and do all the things. I still feel like it's edgy for me to touch myself during sex. Like, what's he going to think? Is he going to think I'm taking, taking too much pleasure? And I have had men kind of respond poorly. Like, dude, I'm supposed to do that. 
Like you're not supposed to touch yourself. I'm supposed, I'm supposed to touch your clit. You're not supposed to touch your clit and not like they're angry about it, but more like that's weird. Right. Or, um, afraid of being forward, like coming on to my man or like initiating sex. I feel like, Oh, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to lay back and, and, um, what is it not be used, but kind of like, I'm sort of like, I'm supposed to be here for his pleasure. I'm not saying this is true. I'm saying this is a programming from, from our culture, which is the woman is passive and she is done too. And the man is active and he is doing the doing. And so it takes a lot of energy for me to overcome that default that I've seen in porn that is sort of like tacitly, you know, present in the culture. It takes, it's like a, it's like getting over a speed bump, right? It's like, Ooh, it takes effort to get over that speed bump rather than the default being, yeah, women are sexual and we're celebrated for that. And it's, it's like, we're not really celebrated for it in a way We're we're told we need to look sexy but we're not told to be sexually forward. It's like, if you're sexually forward, you're slutty. If you have sex, you're slutty. And it's still part of our culture. And we're, we're working on it, right, as a collective. But I guess for the men listening to know, it really is edgy and scary. And I was just working with a couple recently where this came up of um, her kind of like, I'm afraid to initiate with you. Like, I'm afraid that you're gonna turn me down. And I'm afraid that you're also going to like, tell me I'm too much. Like, really like, yeah, I'm afraid you're going to say like, oh, you you need sex like more than I do. Like what's wrong with you? Um, I'm tired. I just got home from my trip. Of course, I don't want to have sex. And the poor guy in the relationship was like, no, I would love it for you to initiate sex. That would be delightful for me. That would be such a turn on. And so they've been having a lot of success with that because they finally you know, kind of brought the pattern to light and had it revealed that she doesn't want to be a bother. You know, she doesn't want to be too much. She doesn't want to initiate if he doesn't want to. And I do think that in general, the burden of initiating sex often falls to the man. I mean, almost always in, in hetero dynamics, right? Where there's a man and a woman in the relationship. And it feels like that's partly because of this fear. Yeah. I mean, I see it all the time in my clients, like a fear of being too sexual. What will that mean? How will they be treated? Will they be judged? Will they be judged by other women? Um, there's so much exactly to your point, object objectification, like look sexy, but don't be sexy. Let us enjoy you, but don't actually be connected to your own erotic essence. But the funny thing is once a woman reclaims her erotic essence and takes pleasure in her erotic essence and shows up in that way. It doesn't mean that everyone is all of a sudden like falling at her feet, but you get a lot more interest and you do feel more empowered and you are able to set healthier boundaries because your energy is connecting all the way down to your pussy. It's not just in your heart or in your head. And there's this primal energy when we connect to our sexuality that, that the world really responds to, not just men and dating, but our power and work and how much money we make and all of that increases when we're more connected to our body and to our sexuality. But for the men listening, like every time a woman reveals herself sexually, a fantasy, a desire, a desire for sex, um, wearing lingerie for you, like it took her something to get there. Whether she did that work yesterday or five years ago, like that was a journey for her. I mean, I maybe have shared this on the podcast before, but the very first time I wore lingerie for Jason, I wore it underneath this zip up hoodie and we had gone to dinner and we came back and I was just terrified as I was taking it off and I was shaking. And then I like leapt into his arms because I couldn't just stand there with him watching me. It felt too uncomfortable. And then through the course of the work that I've done that I now do with my clients and other modalities, now I'll like just do strip teases for him and dance for him all the time and, and just have fun with it. But it was a multi-year process to get to that point. And for my clients who especially have experienced sexual trauma in their life, it's even more scary to reveal because then it can bring up, oh, if I'm a deeply sexual person, did I somehow create this trauma that I've experienced? And no, you did not create that trauma, but we do live in a very fucked up society in terms of our views on, on sexuality and it is changing, but, you know, I have clients now who are having the best sex of their life and having multiple lovers and, you know, feeling really empowered and connected, but even they are still learning ways to integrate that power in connection with their, 
with the person that they're dating or with the person that they're with. Because I think men do want to be with a woman who's very sexually connected, but they don't want to be lost in that process. They want to stay connected to her as she's connecting to her sexuality. And I'm so sorry. I just want to say, I'm so sorry that men have been weird when you've touched yourself during sex. Like, I think there's a lot of men who think that's such a turn on like, wow, she knows what feels good for her. And she's letting me into that process. And I get to see her turning herself on and it's like a flower opening, you know, like I think men, I think a lot of men would be honored to be with a woman who, who expresses that pleasure in front of them. I agree. And I think that's another good example of, um, we never really talked about it. Like we didn't really process that. It was just kind of like, I tried it and it didn't work. And I was like, okay, well, I guess he doesn't like that. And that, I think it's those micro moments that I think can build on themselves. And so what I want to say is, you know, since part of this is sort of like how you can help those of you who take in my, my streaming course, please are in bed already know this. But one of the things that I talk about is, is men leading. And when I say that, what I mean is like, Hey, I'd love to talk about sex with you. Like, I really want to get to know you and like, what are your turn-ons? What's like a sexual edge that you want to play with when a man brings up sex in a skillful way, which is part of what I teach in that course, it has me feel way safer to reveal and to, to try new things. And when he's kind of making it known repeatedly over time, I want this to be a safe topic for us. I'm very interested in hearing from you. And that includes, you know, if I'm ever doing something that doesn't feel good or doesn't feel comfortable, I want to know about that. And the reason I keep bringing that up is that my sex research, research shows that a woman's number one sex problem is pain. So it, proactively addressing that fact is really important, particularly since a woman's body changes so drastically over time, right? Over over the years, but even during a 30-day cycle or a 28-day cycle or during our, our natural monthly cycle, something that felt good last week might be kind of uncomfortable or painful this week. And if my default is to grin and bear it, my default is to grin and bear it. And the research shows that this is true for the vast majority of women. The default is not to tell you, ow, the default is to, to just experience the pain and not take the risk of offending you or hurting your feelings or giving you the opportunity to leave me or feel hurt and get weird or pout or whatever, all of the different things that we've experienced from from men who feel criticized. So we're, we're terrified to, to say it. So if you want to help, if you do want to know our truth, especially in sex, go first, lead, say, I really want to know what works for you, what your turn-ons are, you know, what your, what an edge is that you want to play with. And it doesn't all have to happen in one conversation, but you, you leading, you coaxing me forward is, makes it much more uh, realistic that I will share my truth with you rather than I think what a lot of men think is, Oh, she'll tell me if something isn't working. Yeah. That's not actually, according to the research true. She's actually not likely at all to tell you if something isn't working. So if you want to help, if you want to bring forward more of her expression, then invite it, invite the expression. I think that's kind of the overall theme of all of this too, is when you invite, when you when you make it known, I, I want to know I am here. This is, I want to know all of you. I want to be with all of you. Then you're like a lot more likely to get all of her. <laughs> Anything to add about that one? I think that's spot on. And sometimes if a woman is not revealing sexually, there might be stuff that she's working through. You know, I work through clients and how to feel safe being sexual, how to eroticize their emotions. Like we talked about earlier And also my sacred sexuality program is about linking your erotic energy in each of your chakras. Because a lot of them when I work with are very spiritual and very smart and very successful, but they might not be super embodied and they might not know how to integrate their erotic energy into their life, not just their dating life, but their day-to-day life. And so I love, you know, teaching them how to move that energy through their body in different circumstances. Yeah, and I think that the last you know, category that we, we had here was, um, the fear of wanting too much. And I think that is related in part to sex of just, 
I, I do like admitting that I want sex or admitting that I want whatever it is that I want can feel really embarrassing or humiliating or just, you know, like, I think a lot of us were shamed as children for wanting too much. And so there's still that sort of like, I'm supposed to be the good girl. I'm not supposed to rock the boat. I'm not supposed to want, like really want what I want and be open about it. You know, I really want this or I really don't want that. Um, so again, I think that's sort of like, I want to know all of you. <laughs> like I actually want to know all of you and I want your bigness. I want your fullness. I want all of that um, is, is really inviting. Um, so oh, go ahead. I was just going to say one of my favorite moments from Jason and my second date is when he asked very open-ended, what do you want? And I love being asked that question because I have a lot of wants and desires and it gave me a chance to reveal. And I didn't hold back. You know, I talked about, I want ice cream and I want great morning sex and I want to be a mom, you know, like I put out so many of my desires and to Jason's credit, he was like, cool. I love that. I love knowing all of that about you. And in my experience, a lot of my clients, they wait to share their desire. Like I'm going to wait to tell him I want a partnership. I'm going to wait to tell him I want kids. I'm going to wait to tell him I need more communication, but let's say you need more communication and that's a strong one. And you don't let him know you're going to be seething that he's not texting you more. And then he's going to be like, wow, she's kind of bitchy and cold. I I guess she's not interested. And then he's not going to respond more. And then it's going to be a vicious cycle. So being clear about our desires and sharing our desires in an inviting way, I think is a, is a huge gift to your partner. And so when women are like, you know what, I think it's really sexy when the guy makes the plans, I feel like something spicy, but other than that, like, please pick out the restaurant. That would be great. Like you can find a playful, fun way to say like, I want Thai food tonight, or, you know, I want this type of thing. That's an invitation to your partner and not like a demand. Yes. I have a quick story about that too. I remember, um, sort of like coming up to a partner in a playful way once being like, I have desires. And he sort of like rolled his eyes a little bit and was like, okay. You know, and he was kind of hesitant about, about hearing them. And I think it was because in his world, my desires were demands Like, it's like, if you're, if, if, if you hear all of the desires as demands, it's like, you must give me ice cream. You must become my, the, my baby daddy. You must, um, you know, get me facials every week. You must, it's like, that's not actually what a woman is sharing when she's sharing desires. Sharing desires is deeply feminine, right? For all of us. It's just that, that flow part of us that just wants just, it's part of what it does. Um, that is a sacred thing. And what I learned in that moment was like, oh, he doesn't want my desires. I'm not actually safe to share my desires. And so again, those micro moments are important. And I think it's good for for men to know that, you know, eliciting desires, wanting to hear desires, knowing desires doesn't mean they all have to happen. And, you know, most of us truly fully expressed radiant women, we're insatiable. We want lots of things all the time, but it doesn't mean that we need to get all of them all the time, right? Our our own healthy masculine is also online. It's not like I expect all of these things from you, but it's fun to share what, what do I want? And what's, you know, a question that never gets old is like, what's on your heart? What's going on for you? What are you really wanting right now? Like, Pretty much I can always answer that question and it's always going to be great that you asked. So, (laughs) yeah. So um, as we start to wrap up here, you know, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on this episode is opportunities for emotional development and for personal growth and actually going to these places and excavating some of the deeper layers of shame or trauma or crack or, you know, whatever is held the tension that's held in our nervous systems that is in the way of connection, that is in the way of being able to be, let's say that man who can hold deep space and ground at the same time. And we have two live events coming up in the next few months, one for men and one for women. And that's however you identify. If you identify as a man, you are welcome. If you identify as a woman, you are welcome. Um, And so we're going to share about that briefly. Um, Violet, why don't you go first for the ladies? Yes. So a group of women are gathering in Northern California in early November for my wild sensuality retreat. And by wild, I mean connected to nature. You know, mother nature is never like, oh, that's too many flowers or too many stars in the sky or too many colors in the rainbow. Like nothing is too much for the wild feminine and for for mother nature. And we oftentimes have lost touch with that. 
And wild sensuality is about reclaiming our eroticism, our connection to the elements, and also our connection to our heart and our vast range of feelings. Because most women are missing some of those emotions I talked about, like not willing to feel or reveal certain emotions, and it's impacting their partnerships or their dating experience and the type of of, uh, partners they attract. So it will be over three days and the food will be delicious. The retreat center is gorgeous. And anyone who has ever felt like they didn't get the toolkit for being healthily feminine or didn't get the opportunity to become fully expressed or connected to their sexuality, this is a great opportunity to work directly with me and with Mel and with our other fabulous assistant, Sarah Faring. So it's um, not just like, how do I describe it? It's not just the benefit of being around women and feeling heard and seen. It's also an opportunity to feel very safe doing deep work. And similarly, feeling safe doing deep work. If you are a man and you want to do the work and come and play with us, we will also be doing a retreat on the same site, on the same site. And that's coming up uh, soon, though. That's men's The men's retreat is Labor Day weekend, Thursday, August 31st through Monday, September 4th. You can find all the details at evolutionary.men. And again, it's an opportunity to be around other men who are doing the work held by facilitators who deeply care and have gone to these depths before. And you can do a lot. You can do a lot with in-person work, even over a few days. If you choose to really go for it, you can clear out a lot of gunk. You know, you can get a lot of gunk out of those chakras. (laughs) And then that leaves a ton of space for whatever is next in your sex life, in your love life. And that goes for men that are in partnership as well as men that are single. You know, there's just a lot... There's a lot more available on the other side of going to some of these depths around other people who are as committed as you are to growing. So we would love to see you there. I will drop all of those details in the show notes and anything else before we wrap? No, I uh, just want to mention if you're interested in my sacred sexuality program, you can email me at violet at violetlang.com or I'll have Mel put the link in the show note. It's violetlang.com forward slash sacred dash sensuality. And the retreat website is the same thing, violetlang.com forward slash wild dash sensuality. Perfect. 